I'm Dale Benwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. Real estate developers in Oklahoma have begun construction on three new industrial projects that span over 2.7 million square feet. That's about the equivalent of 58 football fields. Richard Mize from The Oklahoman joins us on the podcast this week to talk about his coverage of these projects and what's driving the industrial speculation boom. My co-host Nuria Martinez-Kill will return next week. Richard, let's start by taking a look at these three major developments that you wrote about. Combined, they represent a staggering 58 football fields worth of warehouse space. Where are these projects located? By the way, that's not counting end zones and sidelines. I had used that comparison many times over the years, and it finally dawned on me, oh, wait, we're not talking about that space, just the gridiron (laughs) itself. So (laughs) one of them is in the heart of the Southwest Oklahoma City Industrial District. It's down there just north of the airport, about Council Road and Southwest 29th and the former Dayton Tire Factory. Another one is at Southeast 89th and Pole Road, uh, not far off of uh, uh, I-35, sort of in Moore, but not, right? Southern Oklahoma City. And the other one's at Tulsa. And I don't know Tulsa that well, but it's in Northeast Tulsa, way up there north of that huge uh, Whirlpool plant, which is a its own industrial area. This is kind of off script here as far as the questions we talked about. But one thing that it kind of came up just now is, is these are all in areas that were already industrials. And you talked about the Dayton plant over at uh, Pole Road. You know, that's kind of where the GM plant was, right? And in, in Tulsa is also part of an industrial area. Um, It doesn't seem like they're breaking a lot of new ground on on greenfield space. No, industrial breeds industrial. I mean, you don't want to put much more than a 7-Eleven or something like that in the middle of an industrial district. Nobody wants to live there. Uh, There's no stores or retail for the most part. I mean, it's it's factory, factory place or distribution place. It's not pretty buildings. They're functional and tilt up concrete and not necessarily a lot of Uh, beauty to them. Although, I'll tell you what, uh, uh, tilt-up concrete warehouses going up in 2022 are a lot prettier than they were in 2002. Uh, So they have got, uh, they've gotten into making them a little bit more attractive (laughs) over the years. Well, the next big question I have is who is going to occupy that space? But I'm not sure that that's really a question that we can answer yet, because uh, as you reported, the construction is Speculative. Right. But it's likely to be the usual suspects. And the most recent usual suspects are last mile retail delivery, like Amazon, and all the spinoffs and all the smaller companies that that work with Amazon to get your socks to you (laughs) that you order today to your house tomorrow or your book or whatever. And that was before that predates the pandemic. I mean, that that trend was obviously well underway, but the pandemic souped it up. I mean, uh, you know, people didn't leave their house for a year, and they still had to have stuff, and so they bought stuff online. And and once you get that habit, you don't you don't lose that habit. I don't think you might go into the store for experience, and that's the retail one of the big retail trends is most people who go to retail places go to experience something, not just to buy something. Because I can click 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 and buy anything I want on this laptop or on this phone and have it delivered to me. So retail mainly. Uh, also, one of the brokers mentioned the advent of onshoring. You know, for a generation, manufacturers went overseas, and uh, the war 
and the pandemic together is kind of bringing some of them back home. And so they're risking or gambling or rolling the dice that maybe a manufacturer will pick up some of this space. Call centers, which again are kind of ancillary to retail in some ways. I mean, you're, you're ordering on the phone and you're talking to people on the phone and inbound call centers are growing as well as an industrial user. You quoted an industrial real estate broker saying that OKC is poised to become a regional warehouse uh, industrial hub, including uh, the projects that are already under construction. How much industrial warehouse space is in the planning pipeline? You know, I don't have the figure in front of me, but one of the brokers mentioned um, 12 to 18 months in the pipeline uh, construction underway or planned. uh, And I don't remember the figure, but it's it's quite a bit. It's pretty significant. What, what, does that, what does that mean for Oklahoma's economy? Well, it depends on who the tenants are. If they have lots of employees, it means jobs. If it's storage warehouse, it doesn't necessarily mean very many jobs because it's storage. And distribution and storage is a different thing entirely from manufacturing. It's all classified as industrial space, but it really does just depend. What was interesting to me is that the demand for uh, gross space has uh, peaked, they say. You know, I get these flyers from brokers all the time, uh, just, uh, commercial real estate brokers. Whenever a property goes for sale, I get a flyer in my email. And I've seen uh, more and more grow spaces and existing grow spaces that are being offered, not as industrial space, but as grow spaces. So, so the marijuana market has kind of maybe peaked. Who knows what's going to happen with the change in the laws uh, and the change of the, uh, the bureaucracy uh, surrounding uh, medical marijuana. This issue of speculative development, uh, especially with industry, um, is is really fascinating. Um, you wrote about that they not only have to struggle with finding tenants or buyers of that property, they also have to worry about the cost of borrowing money to build out these projects. Uh, could that slow down construction or um, should they temper their expectations? When, the, when loan rates go up, everything is threatened. Um, because especially if you've got a plan that's based on a certain interest rate, you have to tear up your plan and rewrite it, or you have to downscale, uh, or, or you know you have to change your plans somehow. But here's another thing to think about. You'd ask me about construction uh, materials too. A lot of these spaces, two things, a lot of these spaces are very functional. And so a lot of the finishes that are high-priced right now, like you talk about homes, you know, doorknobs and light fixtures and all that stuff, doors, all that stuff has gone sky-high, lumber. But these big boxes, these big industrial boxes don't have a lot of that stuff. It's tilt-up concrete, you know, pick it up, string some lights, put in a bathroom, and you're done. And the tenants usually, almost always, pay for that stuff, not the developer. With so much demand, I don't expect this, uh, but if the demand sustains there there won't be this but sometimes the developers well that's part of the negotiation to get a new tenant okay we'll give you a, a building allowance or a build out allowance or a finishing allowance to get you in here uh, but i don't think the, the the developers need to do that right now <laughs> so anybody that leases this space better come with some money to build it out and to and to finish it the way that they want it uh, because i don't see any incentive for the developers uh, to do that And going back to something, it's interesting to me that we have, you know, nothing's new about where Oklahoma City is. It's at the crossroads of the country. It's at the crossroads of I-35 and I-40, right smack in the heart of the United States and part of the continent. So we've always been a hub, but I wonder, and I don't know, and this is me speculating, pardon the expression, but I'm wondering if Dallas is so huge that it just naturally draws anybody that's looking across the country, the midsection of the country, to develop. Well, there's economies of scale down there. I mean... 
all that we're talking about in Oklahoma City is an absolute drop in the DFW bucket, in the Houston bucket. We're just an, we're also ran in terms of the raw numbers. But I wonder also then if that has worked toward us being more attractive. If things are so hot in Dallas Fort Worth, maybe it's cheaper. Maybe the land's cheaper here. Maybe the materials are cheaper here. Uh, and so that might be drawing some people. And again, the regionalization of retail. I mean, we don't want, Amazon doesn't have one distribution center, do they? They got, what, dozen, 20? I don't know, but they're all over the United States. And so that's the kind of a regionalization of, of, of industrial hubs that I think people are talking about. Well, I enjoyed reading your story and I appreciate your coverage on this um, uh, speculative industrial development. That sounds like something that might not be very interesting, but when you look into it, it really is. It's been my favorite. I've always said if I went into this as a business and not just writing about people who are in the business, that would be what I'd want to do because it speaks to my inner five-year-old. I mean, my Tonka trucks are moving dirt and they're moving building blocks, and that's what we're talking about. Tilt-up concrete is is building blocks and Tonka trucks for grown-ups. So <laughs> I've always thought that was a, that, that was what always interested it uh, made it interesting to me. So. Well, Richard, always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for uh, coming on this week. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahomans subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read Richard's stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.